Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Parenting is tough. And it can be even harder when your adult relationships are in a little bit of conflict or flux. We have America's Marriage Coach on today. You are going to love this conversation. Stay tuned. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being our listeners. And it is super important that you support our sponsors. They enable us to bring you this content every single week. And we love doing that. New baby in the house? The joy of baby is awesome. And the pressure of baby can sometimes feel overwhelming. And let's face it, it isn't just about having a new baby. It's about parenting any age child. Now, lately, we've heard a lot about emotional labor and division of labor in the home and how many times that can lead to feelings of resentment and conflict. And even if you're parenting solo, you're still in relation with other adults and your kids. And maybe you could also use a tune-up in conflict resolution and nurturing healthy relationships. Our guest today is here for just that. Dr. Jackie Del Rosario has been called America's marriage coach. She is a wife and a mom, an author and an educator, and we're so happy to have you here today, Jackie. It's my pleasure to join. Oh, so much to talk about. You know, this issue has come up so much lately of moms and dads, parenting moms, parenting dads, and how moms still, even though they feel like there's some equity in their relationship and dads changing diapers or whatever, it still seems to always fall to mom to kind of be the manager. The husband says that the male says, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And the woman's going, oh my gosh, why do I have to tell you? Can't you just see the dishes, the laundry, the toys on the floor? Help us, Dr. Jackie. You know, when you describe that, it makes me think of nature versus nurture. Mm. Let's talk about it. Physiologically, we are different individuals. So we know what estrogen has a tendency to do. It's a chemical reaction. It makes us nurturers, right? And so Mm -hmm. we have this concern about a lot of things. I want to repeat that because I was talking to a gentleman once and he was saying, you know, men are easier to make happy. Women are concerned. We're just not concerned about that much. He says, but women are concerned about a lot of things. And I had to agree with him. So that's resonating with all of our listeners. Of course it is. When you get a baby on board, it levels it up three times to the third exponent. Am I right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think that that begins the answer. It's just that we are concerned about a lot of things. That's the way that we're built to be concerned and to think about a lot of things. And as I think about my frustration as a first-time mom too, 
I just felt like my husband wasn't with it. Like why could, and then I began to remember the, the research and what the literature tells us about the difference. So he's looking at function. We look at all of the ancillary things related to function, the color coordination, the feng shui, how comfort, I mean, men are just, does it work? Is this taken care of? As long as the diapers on them, they're good. As long as they're, <laughs> but no, we have to have all of these other aspects of it brought to a state of kind of perfection, if you will. So at any moment, most of us are concerned about, I'm just guessing wild numbers here, seven, eight, 10 things, right? Like we know when the baby or the kids ate. Also, um, Christmas is coming up. So we've got this plan, this plan, this plan. I already got this present, that one. Um, the kids are going to need some new shoes because I think their feet grew and, 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 and everybody listening is adding in their own ands. The dads, most of them aren't thinking of all that. No, we're very preemptive, right? Yeah. We plan for the future. It's a part of our nature because we like to feel secure. A lot of our security is in knowing what to anticipate and knowing that those things are taken care of. Men, on the other hand, are different. They kind of want to deal with things as they come. In and the so present. you might find males that are very much into planning, it's for different reasons and for a different purpose, but women tend to definitely stand out in that arena. We are just concerned about a lot of things. And how to not be so hard on ourselves about that and how to not be so hard on our partners. Yeah. Well, I think there's two things that, I, that I'd like to emphasize. One is um, speed. I think a lot of times we forget that we have three to five language centers. And so our brain is able to process things very mm -hmm. quickly, whereas men usually have one or two. Mm -hmm. This is why with our language, you know, we can pinpoint an argument and talk about what you were wearing and what you said verbatim. And men just can't do that. They don't have the anatomy, right, to be yes. able to say. Agreed. So I, I find a lot of our frustration is where speed is different. They're going to need time to process, whether it's a conversation about the kids or a conversation about your relationship. You can give them the information. They might not be able to rat tat tat back to you and tell you, well, then this is what we're going to do. And this is what, no, they might have to process it. Mm -hmm. Look disengaged because they're more kinesthetic with the way that tactile, with the way that they process. They're going to maybe give less eye contact because that's the way that they're processing. Number two, I would say the monitoring or managing our need to feel secure with control mm -hmm. because so many times we want to feel secure so therefore we want to take things into our own hands and so a lot of times we're wanting to dictate the how to's the when and the why and the where when it's really not uh, appropriate for the growth and the betterment of the relationship and so for me if the relationship is strong then our ability to parent is also better our ability mm -hmm. to raise strong um, and hold children is better. So I find that a lot of the breakdown happens, and even in my own personal life, during the child rearing, because mm -hmm. it just throws a whole mess of stuff in there to kind of complicate matters. Yeah, and throw in being exhausted and, you know, all those things as well. And a lack of intimacy time and oh, yeah. conversation, you name it. Mm -hmm. And it's so easy. I mean, the child is the immediate... I'm going to say problem. We all know our kids are blessings and, and wonderful and more than problems. But immediately there is a hungry being. There is a being that is throwing a tantrum. This is the thing that is very difficult to ignore. And it's so easy for us to just keep 
pushing the relationship stuff on the back burner and not Mm -hmm. deal with it and not deal with it and not deal with it. And Dr. Jackie, that doesn't work so well, does it? It doesn't work well at all. I think that there's a period of time where it has to happen. And we're talking about the formative stages where right after birth, while you're getting settled and getting to know your child. So you have like that first trimester, right? Those Mm -hmm. first three months to kind of get that Mm -hmm. under your belt. And then it has to be that you swing, let the pendulum swing back into a place of balance where you're nurturing also your relationship as well as nurturing the child that uh, you're bringing up. You know, one of the things that I just thought about when we were talking about the topic for this podcast was what are some of the pitfalls that I think that we women fall into because we just don't know or don't understand or we Mm -hmm. misappropriate what we're looking at symptomatically with what the facts are. So we talked about, you know, um, the way that they process. It might come off as if they're disengaged or, or uninterested. I think also a lot of men aren't very comfortable with infants, you know, so very true. Active when the child can say a little something, can walk. And, you know, it's unfortunate because a lot of times that's when we really want to see them bond. But not all, all males can bond really deeply at that level. You know, it really depends on their comfortability with holding, managing, and caring for the child. So I noticed even as I'm looking now, I'm a, I'm a first time grandmother. Oh, hey, oh, you and oh, Janet hey. are going to go just you go, and go, me. go. I'm about to pull out the pictures and show you and everything. I'm just doting. How still. old is your grandbaby, Jackie? When I say first time and within like a year, I've had like two. Ooh. <laughs> I was Ooh. childless, grandchildless. <laughs> and now I have a new one that's uh, just two months old. Oh, and then I have a two-year-old. What, mine's, year. mine's almost two. So, so it's it's a little more than a year. So within a year, I had one and then got the announcement of my son having a second one. So that's what I mean. So nice. I that. But, yeah. but I would say my own husband was not comfortable. My son is not that comfortable. You know, he he's better than my husband was. So for the first month or and a half, he was like, well, you take care of him and I'll help, but I don't want to be the primary. Or I don't want to have to do too much with him in the run of a day. And now he's getting better. You can see that his ability to engage with the child and be the primary point of, of care is, is getting, you know, longer and longer. And I, I can see that he's more relaxed. Mm-hmm. What that brings up for me, because I did this when I my kids were little, was I thought I could do it better than he could. I could put the kids to bed better than he could. And I mean, that was not a good place to be operating from at all. But I I just was truly in that place of like, only I can do this for these children. So we have to kind of let go of kind of that control that you were talking about. Got to let go a little bit and realize he is going to do it differently than you are. Mm-hmm. And you know what? probably 99% of the time that is a okay. Cause mm-hmm. your kids need that difference in their life too. I do. And I, and I think you point, you bring up a really good point of just being comfortable. Cause I think most mothers want to make the dad do it the way that they do it. Mm-hmm. Instead of just allowing them to be, to have their autonomy and to do it differently. I was reading something really interesting uh, yesterday and it was just talking about how, I don't know if they're single moms, that are, that are paying attention to, uh, you know, or listening now, but, you know, single moms have it very hard. But what we found is that the impact of a father, as long as he's engaged, is so important mm-hmm. to the outcome, the well-being of the child. 
it's more important they found than is the, the female's input. Mm-hmm. So if you have a single dad that's raising a child by himself, the trajectory of that child's future is brighter usually than if they were raised by a single mom. So even though they might not dress the child well, they might not comb their hair, even though they might not put them to bed on the dot, you know, at 7 p.m. as we would want, they're yeah. very popular. Yeah. And I do, and we've talked about solo moms on here before. We know many of our moms are parenting solo and the importance of just bringing other men into their child's life and a coach, a teacher, an uncle, a neighbor, so that their kids, no matter if boys or girls can experience a male presence in their life. Someone that they can talk with, that they can see the difference between the male and the female energy, which I think is really important, the way that we do things differently. Have you ever noticed that when you try to tell your kid to do something and they don't listen the first time, the dad can just come and say, pick that up one time and the kid just snaps up and picks mm-hmm. it up. It's a difference. Daddy voice. Well, well, it's a difference in the octave of the voice. Their mm-hmm. communication is different. And so I think that there is a, a, a real emphasis on the difference between the male and the female energy and, and that we just have to make sure that we bring both around our children, whether you're a single dad or whether you're a single mom, there should be an uncle. Maybe there's a, a another family member or a neighbor or mm-hmm. might be a mentor at school or a coach or someone mm-hmm. that yeah. has taken an interest and in, that can be a really good influence on your child. You know, it is always so much easier for me to sit here, calm moments, having discussions with Janet, with our guests. Yes, absolutely. We need the male energy. We need the female energy. We need to let go. We need to communicate. We need to partner. And then real life (laughs) happens and I'm not on a Zoom conversation with Dr. Jackie And I let all my stuff build up and all my resentment. And I think I've been dealing with it. But then, you know, there's this terrible outburst. And um, I say some things that I even know I shouldn't be saying to my (laughs) husband. Now is not a helpful time, not a helpful place. But I'm so (laughs) angry I do it anyway, Jackie. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about, you know, how can we operationalize some of these healthy marriage, healthy relationship techniques, because it's all a lot easier when we're sitting here calmly. Mm-hmm. How do we bring mm-hmm. this into our lives that we can access these tools when we're short on sleep and the baby's been crying for what seems like four hours? And there's also a sense of great uh, overwhelmingness. We feel so overwhelmed and so burdened with all the responsibilities. I think that one of the biggest tools would be effective communication. So when we're feeling that way, being able to communicate that in a way that can be heard and received by the listener is essential. Not to say, oh my God, there's a, but to say, you know, at this moment, I just feel overwhelmed and I don't want to say the wrong thing because it's really no one's fault. So Mm -hmm. to communicate thoughts in a way that can be heard using I statements instead of, you know, you're not helping now. (laughs) Starting a conversation with an accusation. Those are communication tips that I would say are must-haves using reflective listening. Because I find that when you're sleep deprived or when your emotions are at a heightened state, you tend to mishear and misprocess information. So mm. being able to make sure even that the message was received correctly is important. Make room for people to receive you and to give you what it is that you need. So I would say as my third statement, it would be 
to know what you need in that moment. You've already identified what you feel. You've already stated what you feel, what you felt. You've used the right means to express that. Now know what it is that you need. You know how many mm-hmm. times I counsel couples and they don't know what they need? Exactly. Okay, so how would you like for them to do it? And you don't know. I would be aware of where I am at that moment so that you're able to communicate it. Now you are not standing by yourself speaking to something. You're speaking to someone that can empathize, understand, and now begin to play a part. I also feel that a lot of times we are afraid of asking for what we want. But I think many of us, not all, but many of us, both male and female, have gotten the message from various people, spoken and unspoken through our lives, that what we want is too much. Mm -hmm. It's asking for too much. Mm -hmm. So therefore, if I just keep quiet, then maybe people will stay around me. But if I state what I want and what I need, Mm -hmm. I risk driving everybody away and being alone. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. And if you say it, and they say no, mm-hmm. then so you're in a deeper, place? darker place, right? But, but you're dealing with propositions, nothing that's effect, that's factual. I call right. it watching the movie, which is mm-hmm. really not just a movie. You've rehearsed something in your mind, you've gone through it, and it's hypothetical. That's mm-hmm. watching the movie, which in most cases are going to be because of fear and our, right. our tendency to want to avoid negative experiences. It's gonna, you're really going to be watching a horror flick. And you're yeah. asking your mate in the leading role, you know. <laughs> so, so I say, don't watch the movie. Instead, begin to visualize if you are going to watch anything, change the channel to something that's positive, mm-hmm. And instead, talk about rehearsing how you're going to introduce what it is that you're going to say in a way that can be heard and received. And then show up to the conversation, ready to be organic in that moment, ready to hear and ready to speak. And I would add, I just want to add, because this goes back to what we were talking about, male processing speeds, and we've talked about this before so much, is that women tend to process verbally. We want all the details. We want the emotions. We want the, you know, the color of the sky. And our men do not. Our boys do not. They want the essence. So what you're saying is get on the right channel. And that channel is very short phrases. We don't have to fill in all the detail to get clear with ourselves about what that is we want and need, and then take away all the all the fluff around it. Let me go back and reiterate because I want to be very clear. The first part of what I was giving were things for you to do in terms of how to use effective communication tools. Mm-hmm. But then I'm saying, if you have stuff inside and you're not expressing it, don't watch the movie. You're not expressing it because you're afraid that something bad will happen. Mm-hmm when you share what's really on your heart. So I'm saying, don't do that. Don't watch the movie. This Mm -hmm. is hypothetical. You're imagining that negative things are going to happen. So guess what happens? Negative things. What you focus on, you draw to yourself. So if you're focusing on a fear-filled scenario, you'll bring that to yourself in one way or another. So I'm saying, instead, focus on what you need to express and how you're going to deploy the proper communication techniques to communicate that. And then choose your time in your place and then let let's have a, a go of it um, let's talk about that part the choosing the time and the place um because as you know you had two sons that you you and your husband raised i i, I have four janet you had two 
there's not a lot of ideal times, if any, you know, you've got the kids and all their stuff that they're dealing with and you likely both have busy lives and you are often feel like you're barely holding it together, getting all the things done. And for a lot of men, and maybe I'm just speaking from the the men that I have experience with, but they do not like to hear the words, hey, can we talk later? (laughs) So how do you go about making the space, finding the space for this amidst all the busyness and uncertainty without uh, totally freaking him out too, that his head's spiraling into, oh my goodness. Mm. What now? I think that that let's talk thing shouldn't be a one-time thing. You should build conversation and that intimacy to converse into your lifestyle. So for example, my husband and I have a rule. Our last 30 minutes before we go to sleep is always time spent together. So if it means that there's a game on and he has to come to bed earlier before he gets too tired, then that's what we both set aside as our time. And sometimes we had rituals where we would rustle each other and tease each other at night, you know, within those 30 minutes. But mostly we talk. We talk about our day. We talk about things, aspirations. We talk about plans. We talk about the children. We talk about whatever needs to be discussed. Now, there's one thing that I notice about marriage, and that is that You know, we plan when we're falling in love, like what we're going to do, what kind of lifestyle we're going to have. But I feel that a lot of times we don't watch. We're not watchful over our relationship when we're married. We're both leaving the house, going out to do different things, Mm -hmm. coming back as different individuals because what we've encountered out there has changed us. So how do you make sure that you keep the cohesion and stay unified and continue to build intimacy? More about how to keep good communication going, build intimacy, stay connected with our partners, and, you know, that can only benefit our children. More with Dr. Jackie after these messages from our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk, and Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order, byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, 
that's the way it is. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit with free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time. Your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A.com slash onboys. Winona, menopause care made easy. So intimacy to me is not just sexual. It's in the heart-to-heart sharing. Now, I believe men need cliff notes. So I'm not going to say, and then she said this, and then I said that. That you give to your girlfriends. He's just not wired to hear that verbose conversation. But there needs to be the sharing so that you can come back together again and reunify so that over time, you don't lose touch. Another tip that I give is apart from building communication in so that it's always a part, I think that you also have to continue to embrace some sort of or rekindle. I'm saying re because a lot of times the flame will start to go out during the child rearing stages. Mm-hmm. So how do you keep that flame lit? Simple things like a rule around how you greet each other. Do you kiss in the mouth every day? Now, I'm sure that there's some newlyweds that are only like three, five years in the marriage. They're thinking like, kiss in the mouth. Of course we do. (laughs) Okay, well, if God blesses you well enough to be married 10, 15, 20, 30 years, for me, it'll be 34. These are things that you need to do because while you're running to these different games and practices and picking up from school and getting this presentation ready for work, you'd be surprised. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to confess the truth right here. I just, my husband and I just looked at each other yesterday and really realized it's been weeks since we've kissed on the mouth. Now, first he had a cold sore, then he was gone, then he came home and the cold sore was still lingering, and then I got COVID. So there's reasons. It can be that simple to get caught up in life and time goes on and suddenly you're like, wait a second. And when there's reasons where you can't physically connect in that way, you can find other ways to connect. And mm-hmm. you, what you're saying is you have to intentionally nurture that because if you don't, amidst the busyness of kids. You'll like, look up and he'll be over there. You'll be here and you'll wonder, how did we get in these opposite ends of the room? Mm-hmm. And it's because you didn't, you weren't watchful. So another thing, even planning when, you know, your sexual in- interludes, 
those that are really romantic and passionate set aside from if it's, I don't know what your pace would be once a week, twice a week, three times, whatever it is, you have to make that something that you hardwire in while mm-hmm. you're in the child rearing age, age stages, because you, you lose spontaneity, yeah. you lose spontaneity, which is the thing that really fuels passion. And so let's talk about, if we could of just a few, I wanted to talk about that because this is something that I really, really, really try to tell um, our younger um, listeners, because what I've noticed is that they're having more problems sexually at a younger age. I'm talking thirties, forties, and they're looking on rekindling. And I'm like, my God, I was a ball of molten lava. <laughs> and I think it's because of the way that they are, I guess, connecting with each other and sure. just the way that they're living life is a little different. So already some of the things that we need to do have already been teased out. Mm-hmm. And so I would say finding a way to schedule your children's lives. So for example, if you say they got to have a bedtime by eight o'clock, so that means that leaves you eight to nine to maybe finish mm-hmm. cleaning things up around the house, maybe to grab up your favorite show. Then you have like maybe whatever the last amount of time for the night with your with your spouse alone, mm-hmm. making sure that we don't start bad habits like letting our children sleep in the bed with us so that when it's time to wean them now, <laughs> they don't want to go to their own yeah. room. You know, mm-hmm. putting things in place with the forethought to think about what is this going to look like six months to a year from now? Is this going to be something that's tenable? Is this going to be something that's going to help our relationship? hurt our relationship or support our child. I mean, I think this the forethought that you put into your planning and your decision-making as parents that I think is going to make the greatest difference, not only for your children, but for your own union as well. While mm-hmm. we are on this topic of uh, intimacy and setting aside time and protecting time and space, uh, let's talk about how this gets even more challenging I think when your kids start hitting the tween and teenage years, because when they are toddlers, yes, you can put them to bed and they're going to be out and they will be asleep. Teenagers never sleep, Dr. Jackie. (laughs) They never, ever, ever sleep. And you're right. Right. And they are, you know, um, like they're just embarrassed by the fact that you exist. Uh, Let's talk about this. Well, uh, so what do you want to talk about in regards to that topic? What do we I, do? I have legitimate questions. Now, I have my children are now young adults, so I've survived the teenage years. But when they were teens, that was like my my divorce time and my my significant other had a different house. So sex was easy. OK, but if you're all in the same house, I have no idea how you make that work. Let's talk about that for other people who are struggling with boundaries. this. I'm going to put it in that word boundaries. Mm. Uh, and again, it, it talks about the structure and the routine of what is the norm for your children. So to me, it shouldn't matter whether they are teens or not. They still need to have a dedicated bedtime. There still need to be boundaries about your room and your time and what you do and how that encroaches upon you. So. Um, one of the things that we did is when our kids became teens is we made sure that our house was a place where all of their friends came because I wanted mm-hmm. to see them. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we ended up parenting some of their their friends. But I loved it because we were the cool parents. Everybody wanted to be around us. They wanted us at their events and things like that. They didn't mind. They weren't running from us. My kid was like, this is my mom. You know, it was <laughs> it was cool because this is my dad. And so my husband you know, would host tournaments for them and get involved with them. But we would let them know, like, look, your mom and I 
we're going to be going out. So a lot of times we did a lot of our things away from the house. So mm -hmm. those really sexy times that we scheduled, we scheduled those away from the kids. Then we had things that we did with the children, but ultimately they had their curfew times. And then we had that time where we were shutting down our house so that we could have that privacy and the autonomy to do what we wanted. You know, one thing that changes for sure is you're just not going to be love making all over the house. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> that for be sure, the, the teenager that you have not seen hardly during daylight hours <laughs> in 14 weeks, that's when they're coming through the door. Yeah. So you can't do your sexy dressing. All of that is like, it, people don't understand. It curves all of that. And those mm -hmm. are things that, you know, really did keep your pulse, you know, uh, yeah. but you can't do it around those teens because it's just awkward. It's just not, it's not mm -hmm. cool. It's not the biggest takeaway here. And it sounds so simple when we say it and is so difficult to put into practice. We as parents have to remember that our relationships are foundational. They are foundational and our relationships well-being directly impacts our children's well-being. When parents are, you know, fulfilled and uh, emotionally satisfied, that affects how we parent, how we show up. And, and Dr. Jackie, we can't neglect the fact that our kids learn about relationships from us. Mm -hmm. You said a mouthful. Mm -hmm. When I got married, I didn't really realize it. My husband is uh, two. There's only two, he and his brother, uh, mm -hmm. as the offspring of his father and his mother. Whereas for me, I come from, it's five of us. There were five children. So I'm used to like all the ruckus and, you know, mm -hmm. argue, we fought and it was nothing. But to my husband, it was like end of the world. If you had an argument, totally different lifestyle. He never saw his parents argue. I saw my parents argue. I saw him make up. So it was nothing to me. I saw that, yes, you might have an argument, but it's not the end of the world. To him, it was different. Mm -hmm. So I always teach couples learning histories is essential to your success. Because if you are, are outside of having the proper context to your loved one's behavior, your ability to empathize, to embrace and meet them where they are is definitely short-circuited. Once I understood that this is how he feels and how he sees it, I knew how to respond when there was a disagreement. I knew how mm -hmm. that I needed to console him and make him understand, this is not the end of the world. We're just gonna talk, we're just talking. Think about it, where you grew up in a home where nobody raised their voice. In my house, there's nothing but ruckus, <laughs> you know? Everybody's waiting until you have to inhale to jump in and, and <laughs> you know, and we're always fighting or arguing or laughing and joking about something. So it was a carefree sort of atmosphere, but very excited. And everybody's all over the place with he and his brother. Everybody was quiet. He was the they're the children of two elder people. Mm -hmm. She was 30 when when she got married. And so think about older parents, you yeah. know, more settled, you know, have all that young energy. So things were quiet and uh, the pace was slower. Whereas my mom was married at like 17 mm -hmm. and she has these five kids and it was just a free for all. So <laughs> okay. understanding the difference in the perspective of how we come to our relationship, how we engage in, an, in a disagreement or in a challenging circumstance or situation, understanding history really does give us the latitude, the bandwidth, the ability, even the desire to want to understand and support our, our partner. And it affects how we parent because our default in parenting, as we all know, is how we were parented, even if we don't want it to be that way. Unfortunately. Oh, man. 
<laughs> what do you do? I think the same holds true for our relationships too, right? I mean, we pretty much all of us can think of things that our parents did that we either want to or don't want to do in our relationship. And often we find ourselves defaulting to it anyway, because that's what we know better than anything else. It takes mm-hmm. it takes some deliberate effort to develop um, like different grooves, doesn't it? Well, I think you, if you realize that this is your case, which I think is, is a situation for most people, learn the skill sets. I don't think that there's anything wrong with marriage in America. We just lack the skill sets. And as mm-hmm. technology prevails, it's becoming more and more of a chasm between people that are well-equipped to develop the communication skills, the problem-solving skills that are necessary in close and intimate relationships. But hey, it's not, again, it's something that you can acquire. Mm-hmm. I have tools that are virtual. There, there are things all over the planet that are virtual that you can plug into and learn mm-hmm. and, and overcome those shortcomings. You know, what I love is, I remember when I was growing up, people would say, you're going to be just like your dad. And it was seen as being the most horrid thing to say to someone, particularly if that person's life is not very well received, right? But why look at it a little bit differently? You're coming from that same life code. Life gives you the opportunity to look 20, 30 years into the future and see who you will be because you share that life code. And you get the opportunity, the, the power, right, to decide, I'm going to be that person, but without this or without mm. that. And now you can put in the work and you can redirect yourself so that those outcomes don't emerge for you. Powerful words from Dr. Jackie. Yes, we can change. We have the power. More after these words from our sponsors. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house For you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style. A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing 
a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y, dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S, dot com forward slash onboys. And so be empowered, be empowered. Get for yourself what it is that you need to make sure that you build out the life and create the trajectories that you want to see repeated. Because remember, you're not doing it just for yourself. You're also doing it for those children that you're raising Mm -hmm. that are going to become a byproduct of your own choices. But this brings to mind a little bit of this place where I see it in parenting. Mom reads all the parenting books. Dad doesn't want to read the parenting books. Mom wants to do the inner work and the personal growth. Dad's busy you know, out working two jobs. Mm-hmm. So how how do you bring those two aspects together when, and broad generalization, but typically it is the woman that has more of a sense of things could be better than they are. And the man's just kind of like, things are fine. What's the problem? Yeah, because so we, how do, most divorces are initiated by a woman. Why? Yeah. Because women are concerned about a lot of things. Yeah, right? yeah. So how do we cross that gap? Well, I think two things. I'm going to start with people that are now dating and looking at marrying. To me, the biggest, biggest tool that you can have, the greatest, most effective tool is compatibility. So in my practice, I've developed the seven pillars of compatibility. So you want to be compatible. That means that you're going to share the same values. A lot of your outlooks are going to align. This This is the foundational work for you to determine. Is this person going to be willing to work through all of the challenges of your relationship? Listen, the reason why there are people divorced a lot of times, if it's not that uh, there was some sort of abuse or neglect, is because people's expectations were not met. But therefore, they did not feel happy in that relationship for whatever reasons that you grew apart, whatever was the genesis of them. That's really why people aren't together. But if you have someone that's committed to doing the work, so that whenever one goes a little left and, you know, we need to really course correct, they're willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work to correct that. If they're not willing to read the books, if they're not willing to go to counseling, if they're not willing to see someone, you see. And so for me, I know in my marriage, as long as my husband's willing to do the work, because God knows there's been endless challenges that have come up in 34 you know, years, we can make it because I believe when there's a will, there's a way. So I would say. That's the first thing. Foundationally, make sure that you're both going into it, understanding that marriage is a challenge because we it's been ro- so romanticized in television mm-hmm. and movies that we have the wrong concept of it in the first place. So how can we have the right outcome? Yeah. Marriage does not make you happy forever. That person is not charged with your happiness. You need to bring your own happiness. You need to come full and complete and then come together with someone else that is complete. You will have ebbs and flows in marriage, right? So you're not happy all the time. You might have periods. I heard that Michelle Obama was watching something that she said, and she was saying that there were years where she was unhappy. 
mm-hmm. but it's for better or for worse because I do love that she admitted that. I love yeah. that she admitted that because it normalizes it because it's so easy when you are outside of somebody else's relationship to be like, wow, you know, look at that. I mean, Michelle and Barack, come on. Like he seems to adore her and vice versa. There is no relationship that is like that all the time. Um, we just laid Rosalind Carter uh, mm-hmm. recently passed. What a love story. Oh my I mean, gosh. what did I hear? 77 years. years. They were yeah. 72 years. They got married when she was 18 and they made it through. I mean, all that. He didn't even tell her he was running for the Senate. And they not only continued a relationship, they both really liked each other throughout their life. <laughs> I just want to know how, you know, and, and what you're saying is there's, there's really no great secret. It's mm-hmm. you, because you, we have the wrong definition of what it looks like. Yeah. So mm-hmm. It doesn't look like what most people think. And, and it took me a while to find that out. I've been in pursuit of understanding relationships and marriage since I was like a little kid. It was something that fascinated me. And I understood that you rise or fall on a good or a bad relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship like marriage or in dating or whether it's a friendship, a job with a boss, mm-hmm. I mean, you rise or fall. So I wanted to learn how to master good relationships, how to build them out. And so imagine understanding that marriage is not what I thought. I thought I was going to put on this beautiful white gown and it was going to be my day. I was going to be princess for the day. And then it was going to be all this wonderful thing. And it's not. There are a mm-hmm. lot of wonderful things, but it's just like life. A lot of times what's happening to us is just life, but we feel so bad about it because it's happening to us, but it's just life. And marriage is messy as are all relationships. It's just, it ebbs and it flows. There's ups and downs and that's life. There's nothing magical about it, but when you have love and respect for one another, when you have rules and boundaries that govern your relationship and you've done a lot of the work working to maintain it, it's a beautiful thing. It's the best thing I've ever done in my life. I love being married. I love being married to that man. I call him my bear. You know, have all of the years been great? No, they haven't. Has he put in 100% effort at all times? No. But that's when your your commitment to one another comes into play. Um, And you have to man up. You got to put on your big girl panties. He's got to put on his. And you got to do what you need to do during those seasons. And sometimes you just don't have it. Mm-hmm. that person has to carry you they have to carry the lion's share until you can get back into that space where you can again I think that's really important to recognize that I think of what my grandparents told me my grandmother told me you know you're going to give 99 percent in your marriage and you know and and it's going to ebb and flow and so recognizing that And staying out of resentment and thinking that it's going to be like this forever. So, you know, you're in that parenting, the infant, new baby stage, and you think this is it. This is how it's going to be. And realizing just as your children are growing and changing, your marriage and your relationship is too. And that you can affect change within your relationship. And it starts with you, not with him. I love that. You yeah. change you, everything else around you changes. Definitely. Right? Yeah. Putting the yeah. time and effort into working towards good relationships, good communication, good problem solving skills. That is the core of life. Mm-hmm. That, as you said, it's relationships, it's parenting, it's friendships, it's work. 
you guys, listeners, you know, I'm all about like two for one, four for one. You put your effort into figuring out how to be better in a relationship, into developing communication skills, and it will impact every aspect of your life. And Jackie, you've alluded to the fact that there's a lot of resources out there. Like we don't have to just make this up and try and figure it out for our for ourselves. What are some resources that you recommend for listeners who want to do this work? Well, first of all, I have to recommend drjackie.com with the Q, J-A-C-Q-U-I-E, drjackie.com. Uh, we also have a host of resources there. One of the things that I credit for me being married for 30, gonna be 34 years is my husband and I had a plan. We talked about almost any possible challenge that could come up. Because as I said, I've noticed that in my practice, there are seven domains uh, or pillars of marriage. You build those seven pillars strong, you're guaranteed a marriage that will go the distance. The other, that's 80% of the equation is compatibility. Doing that work on the front end, instead of trying to make a square peg fit in a round hole, it is a big part of the success story. But the other part is, talking about the things and coming up with how you will run your marriage um, before you say I do, so that you know whether there's any non-negotiables, you know what they are and whether they're present in that relationship. You know, I even have people to give their top 10 and put them in the order of what you need, not what you want in a, in a marriage. You have to have those top seven items. Not having them is tantamount to a non-negotiable. Yet, mm -hmm. and on that, you're going to turn inward or you're going to turn outward in that relationship. So my husband and I talked through all of these different things, and I've categorized them on our relationship keys um, uh, portal. And so you get to take a compatibility quiz to see how you're aligning, whether you're looking at, is this person a good person for me to marry? Uh, it's a tool for that. But then it's also a tool if you're already married, because remember, mm -hmm. we come to marriages one person, but we evolve over time. So you're no longer the person you were when you first got married. You want to make sure as we evolve, are we still finding touch points mm -hmm. where we are still aligned? And so if not, that quiz is going to identify the areas where you need work and you're going to be able to tune in and get the work accomplished so that you begin to comb through those tangles. And so those seven different constructs, I wanted to just give you those pillars is marital beliefs. Marital beliefs is the role that you envision all your life playing as a spouse. It's also mm -hmm. the role that you envision your spouse playing. It is one of the sneaky hidden ones that most people do not talk about because it's so cerebral. It's more in your mind. It's, the, it's that, that those pictures that you see. But those things need to be espoused. You need to talk about them. You need to find points of agreement. And anytime that there's not a point of agreement, you need to learn to negotiate those through so you can proceed. The second one is morals and values, which is your core self, is what you think is important in life, is what you govern yourself by, right? That's your core self. Your personality is different, whether you're type A or type B. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with your morals and your values. Mm -hmm. right. family. family covers how you deal with in-laws, outlaws, how you deal with how many kids we're going to have, who's going to raise them, how are we going to raise them? You know, what kind of monies are we going to put towards their education? What do we mm. value to teach them religiously, educationally, all of that? Then you have your finances, which is, are we going to have a joint saving account, separate accounts? Are, are we taking each other's debt as one? Or are you paying your separate? 
everything about finance. How do we invest? Do we have savings accounts? Do we have investments? What types of investments? And then you have religion and you have how you handle your disagreements. Sex is different than intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy does not always involve sexual interaction, mm-hmm. but it's the way that your souls meet. And it's one of the things that you really have to cultivate to make sure that you keep prevalent in your relationship. So how you have sex, your modality of sex, the, num- the number of encounters over a period of time. People fight a lot about it, but they don't want to talk about the sexual mm-hmm. part, but it can make or break a good relationship. So those are those seven pillars. And so people can plug in because they're, they're video lessons that are, you just plug in, they're a couple of minutes a piece. And they'll help you to give your talking points on how to realign and Mm. and those areas to to regain cohesion and unity. So I really recommend that. I think I credit it for definitely giving me the longevity in my relationship. And I can tell you that 80% of the things that we talked about 30 something years ago have happened. So it wasn't anything that we needed to argue about. We knew what we said we were going to do should this happen. Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of one. If somebody in this family does something to me that is offensive or there's a problem that develops, I don't address it. We talk together. He addresses it. Why? Because his family loves him. They're going to be mad at him for a minute, maybe, but they'll get over it. It's going to be a different scenario for me. So we take care of anything relating to our, if, it, if the genesis is within our own families, we handle it as the first line of defense for one another. Even how we deal with loaning money or if somebody wants to come and stay with us we agree that it has to be an agreed agreement between us if it's an amount of money whether we are going to loan it that's an agreement we have to agree on the amount and the terms for repayment or if it's just going to be a gift ordinary everyday things because these this is what i hear in my practice as the things that deliver a death nail to some of these relationships because because they begin to really struggle and argue and develop great deep contention around Mm -hmm. some of these simple things. It seems easier to not have those conversations for a lot of people, right? They're potentially unpleasant. They're potentially contentious. We'll just sort of skip past all that because I really love you and we're going to be together forever and we get to have this really cool wedding. And what, what I'm hearing is true is that we're not really saving ourselves any time and we're definitely not saving ourselves any heartache by skipping past those conversations because the tough stuff is going to come up. Mm-hmm. But it becomes so simple though, when you have them on the front end, now you know who you're really marrying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. say that again. Now you really know who you're going to be marrying. You mm-hmm. know, there's stance on a lot of things before it ever happens. So when it happens, there's no need to argue or to figure out how we're going to broach the conversation. It's already been had. So I go into this relationship eyes wide open. Now, are the, is there room for things to happen that are just, we couldn't figure out hypothetically? All I can say, I, I don't have very many that have happened over the course of these past 30 some odd years. Most of it is akin to, or exactly what we talked about. Mm-hmm. So even in my book, Blueprint for Marriage, I, I go through the conversations that need to be had and I map out what those questions and things are that need to be addressed too. So that if you don't know how, it could be something that becomes a tool That's a a discussion tool for you all when you're talking. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it's so important. Most people go to see somebody for premarital when they've already gotten engaged and they've already seen a date. And a lot of times if they found out that this is not really who I thought they were, they're not going to cancel the plans. 
Exactly. They're going to yeah. go full speed ahead. So I want to make sure that I equip them with a tool that enables them to really know who they're going to be. Mm -hmm. What words of encouragement would you have for our listeners who most of them are probably partnered right now? And maybe they, they may not be with the parent of their son, but you know, that's somebody you got to deal with anyway. Once you have children, you are, you're there. And they listen to those seven, seven pillars and they're overwhelmed because, ah, what words of encouragement do you have for listeners who want better, stronger relationships and they're just overwhelmed right now? I, I would say that I make relationships simple. So the reason why I developed the tools was for that very purpose, so that you would have a, a, a pragmatic method, just a simple, easy, rightly, quickly applicable manner in addressing your relational issues. And so one of the things I do that I, I really don't love doing because it's laborious is making room for the things that continue to distribute tools to people that are listening. And that's, that's the beauty of technology now. You are such an amazing resource. Thank you so much for all the work you do as you're talking. I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about how we talked about the beginning of this foundation that we create in our, in our adult relationships. And we are modeling that for our children. Our sons are seeing us be in relationship so that when they grow up, maybe they don't have to do as much hard work as we have had to do. And that it's more just a part of who they are, this communication and in-depth questioning for ourselves and our potential partners. So thank you so much for this time. And listeners, of course, everything will be in the show notes, but it's drjackie.com, Jackie with a Q, J-A-C-Q-U-I-E. Thank you, Dr. Jackie. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun. If you found this podcast valuable, please share it with a friend. Maybe you know somebody who is uh, looking to get engaged. This could be really valuable for them. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net. And I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.